Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Galatians chapter 3, we're reading from verse number 10. The Bible says, For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cause is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse number 13. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, having become a cause for us, for it is written... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. You will notice that Paul has been passionately debating or kind of arguing or trying to convince the Galatian church. He has passionately written about his conviction that, is, that we can only be justified by faith. And that is all, that is the trust of this particular argument so far. Paul is saying our righteousness with God, our standing with God, our acceptance with God is based solely on our faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now Paul is taking this particular argument to a different level. And the level that is now employing now is trying to deploy the Old Testament scripture to be able to support his position and support his theology. So where we see here, Paul is now, he now wants to kind of take on the Jewish Christian based on their own scripture, because they, they have elevated the Old Testament scripture because they believe that is directly from God. So he's now using that particular source of authority to be able to defend or to be able to, you know, to be able to defend his own position and debunk their own position. So, and why is Paul doing this? Paul is doing it because he knows he knows that by appealing to the Old Testament, by appealing to the Old Testament, he can be able to be on, he will be on a common ground with the Judaizers. In the sense that the Jewish Christians, they believe and they hold the Old Testament scriptures in high regard. So by appealing to that Old Testament scriptures, Paul is able to bring them on a common ground, which means they have a level playing field. They have a basis for a conversation. You agree with my premise. I agree with your premise. We can now have a conversation. That's one of the reasons why Paul is employing this Old Testament scripture. Number two, he references the Old Testament scripture because the Judaizers cannot argue with them. In other words, they accept them as standard authority. They accept those scriptures as scriptures that are that are spoken by the word, by the mouth of God. So when you appeal to those things, you cannot argue with them because they already accept it. Number three, Paul knew that the only way he can demonstrate the weakness of the Judaizers' position. 
The only way you can demonstrate that their arguments and their thought pattern and their conclusions on the issue of salvation based on the Old Testament is wrong is for them is for him to go into that Old Testament and tell them that these are the scriptures that you hold there. These are what you consider to be standard. These are the things that you consider to be the authoritative word of God. And I'm going to use that same scripture to let you know that the position that you are taking, those positions are not tenable based on this particular document that you are set as the authoritative standard. So Paul is just using the Old Testament scriptures to be able to show them the weakness of their position. And by keeping that statement around, he's also using the Old Testament to be able to establish his own, the correctness of his own position. In other words, what I'm telling you is right because it's based in the scriptures that you consider to be the standard word of God. So Paul did this because he knew the only way the Judaizers will entertain and respect any challenge is that if that challenge is based on the standard that they accept. And the standard that every Jewish Christian accepts is the standard of the word of God in the Old Testament. And that's why Paul used that particular strategy as he continues his argument in his letter to the Galatian church. Paul used just two verses, two passages of scripture from the Old Testament to be able to argue his position. The first one he did was in the second part of Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. The Bible says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the second part of that verse says, But the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. And that is one of the, and that was the verse of the scripture that Paul uses when he was arguing. The second verse of the, the second passage of scripture from the Old Testament that Paul uses is found in the book of Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18, written from verse number 5. Paul the apostle said, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, that will, which, if, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And Paul the Apostle, in the four verses or five verses that we read just now, Paul the Apostle is saying that if anybody is going to walk with the Lord by the law, it must be able, it must obey every part of the law, which is a reference to what Leviticus 18 verse 5 is talking about. So with these two scriptures, Paul established the Old Testament, Old Testament basis for his argument. And he used the Old Testament scriptures, number one, to be able to establish an agreement. He used the Old Testament scriptures to establish an agreement. An agreement with the people he was speaking to because he was showing that he respected their teaching. He was saying, I respect your teaching, I respect your tradition. I'm in agreement with when it comes to the issue of sin. I'm in agreement when you say that a man should be right with the Almighty God. So Paul uses that Old Testament to be able to bring them into a common ground. And say, okay, this is what we all agree on. This is what we all that brings all, all, all brings every one of us together. Your tradition, I respect. Your teaching, I respect. Your your teaching about sin, I do not have any question about. The need for a man to be to be to be rightly associated with the Almighty God, I do not dispute. And he uses the Old Testament to be able to tie those things together. But number two, Paul use of the Old Testament is not just to be able to establish an agreement, but at the same time to be able to draw a contrast between him and the Judaizers. He was saying. Apart from establishing an agreement, Paul is saying that your scripture, we are basically saying yes, I say yes to your tradition, I say yes to your teaching, but we agree on the issue of sin and how a man should get right with God. But I differ with you on how a man should do that. That's why Paul is using this verse of the scripture. He's saying, yes, I use this scripture to agree with you, but at the same time, I'm saying that this scripture draws a line between myself and yourself. He's saying that this scripture is saying, this is how a man should be right with God. 
and you are saying something else, and your scripture is saying something else. So Paul uses the script, the Old Testament, number one, to draw an agreement, number two, to draw contrast, and number three, to be able to debunk their arguments. If you look at Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, he said, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright with him, but the righteous shall live by faith. And in the process, he's using that particular verse of the scripture to debunk their argument. He's saying, see you Jewish believer, you rely upon the law. And you are saying, and you are using the Old Testament as a basis for your position. But I'm telling you now from the scriptures that I'm reading to you, that the position that you are taking, the position that you are taking, your own word, your own scripture is not in agreement with you. Your own scripture is saying the just shall live by faith. And you are saying that the just shall live by obeying the works of the law. This is a disagreement from what your scripture is saying. Paul is trying to say the very scripture that you are so proud to present, that you are so proud to uphold, that you are willing to kill for, that scripture is opposed to the position that you are taking. Does not support what, does not support your own conclusion. Galatians chapter 3, reading from verse number 10, Paul now lays out his arguments. After bringing, after marshalling the points from the Old Testament, he's now laying down his argument. And if you read those verses of scripture from verse number 10, the Bible says, For as many are of the work of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. In other words, it is not something that we can debate. You can't so you cannot please God by the things that you do. For the just shall live by faith. Now bring it in the Habakkuk. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live by them. And that is bringing Leviticus 18 verse 5. To tell you that if you start by the law, you must continue by the law. You cannot start by the law, get halfway, and then begin to bring faith. Or you cannot start by faith, get halfway, and bring in the law. No. It's saying, if you are doing the law, stay with the law. If you are doing faith, stay with faith. But you cannot mix the two together. And it's saying that what you depend upon is not supporting your position. The question then is, how does a man get right with God? How do we become reconciled to the Almighty God? This is now the argument that Paul is putting forward in Galatians 3, reading from verse number 10 all the way to verse number 14. Paul is putting the argument forward and he's saying there are two basic ways, there are two basic ideas, two basic school of thought for how a man can be reconciled back to the Almighty God. Paul is saying we are all in agreement that we need to reconcile back to God. The only point of contention, the only point of diversion is the fact that how we do it. You are of the opinion you are of the opinion that yes, a man can do it by obeying the law. I am of the opinion that the only way a man can get right with God is through faith. And Paul now in verse number 10 to verse number 12 began to lay down that argument. Paul is saying that a man can get right with God either by the law or by faith. And he now began the analysis. He started with the analysis of obedience to the law, getting right with God through the law. Paul went on to say, that if you decide to say that the best way to be aligned with the Almighty God is through the law, I want you to remember this. It means, number one, you must stand with your decision to live by the law. You must stand by that decision and live by the law constantly. You must do everything that the law requires. It means that you do not, you must choose to, to live your life and to design your life and to align your life based on the law of God. Number two, you must abide by what is written in the law. Everything that is written in the law, you must abide by it. It's like the criminal code. When you say a person is an ex-convict, 
It doesn't matter what, what kind of offense you made him into an ex-convict. He's an ex-convict. A person who kills an individual, maybe second class or whatever more, whatever more charges that he has, if he has been convicted of those charges, is, you know, there's no difference between if you are stole something and you are convicted. You are still an escort. What the Bible is saying is that what well, you have to be abide by everything that is written in the law if you want to be justified by the law. You have to abide by what is written in it. You must keep all that is written in the law. And Paul is, and that is this is what Paul is saying in verse number ten. The Bible says in verse number ten of Galatians chapter three, he said, "For as many are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue." In all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In other words, once you have chosen the path that says the only way I'm going to get right with God is by the law, you have to obey the law all the way through. Because once you break one law, you are no longer justified. Once you break one law, you are no longer righteous before him because that makes you a lawbreaker. There is no way in the law that says, okay, you can break this once and you'll be fine, and you can do all this and you'll be okay. Nothing. The law expects, you are expected to obey all the laws. It's just like the law of the county where we're living in. The law cannot say, okay, you pay all your, you pay your taxes, you do everything, but you are free to run the red light. The law never says that. If you run the red light, you are breaking the law. It doesn't matter which law you break. As long as you have broken one, you have broken all of them, you are a lawbreaker. And that's what Paul is trying to say. And in verse number 2, he said, Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So everything that the law prescribed, you have to live in, if that is your way of aligning yourself with the Almighty God. Number 3, Paul is trying to remind them, if you choose the way of the law, you must remember that it is impossible for you to do everything that the law requires. Extremely, completely impossible. He's saying based on scripture, if you believe that a man is right with God through the law, then you must remember what the scripture says. It is impossible for you to please God by obeying the law. Remember that people have tried it and they have never succeeded. In other words, Paul is saying, seeking the Lord, you know, seeking to be right with God by way of the law is a mission impossible. You can't do it. Because there's one law somewhere that you are going to break and that makes you that you have messed up everything. Nobody can attain the righteousness in the presence of the Almighty God by the law. And that is what Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us. He said, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Paul is saying to them, if you say that you are going to be right with God through the law, remember that it's impossible for you to please the law through the law. Number four, he is saying that if you decide to get right with God through the law, then you must remember also that the law is not designed for you to be righteous. The law is not designed to make you righteous. What the law is designed to do is to remind you when you cross the line. The law is not designed to make you a moral person. The law is not designed to make you a good person. The law is just designed so that anytime you cross the line, it reminds you, you are supposed to do 60 miles per hour, you are doing 70. That's what the law does. The law never makes you to do 60 miles per hour. It just tells you when you break it. So the law does not make a man righteous. What the law does is remind you, is to be able to tell us. So the law is not intended for us to save us, but to be able to remind us. It's a mark that tells us you have missed that mark. The law sets a standard of expectation and obedience. So the law is a different issue. 
The desire to do 70 miles per hour is not enforced by the law. What it does for most people who do it, it's not because they want to, it's because they don't want to get a ticket. That's the only reason why they don't do it. So the law is not designed to make you a righteous person. The law is designed to remind you when you cross, when you miss the mark. And that is what verse number 11 is trying to say. He said, but no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evidence. Inside of us, there is always that something that wants to break the law. So the law has not been able to do it. The law has not been able to take away the desire to continue to go against the will of God. And Paul is saying that if you depend on the law, you have missed it because that's not the purpose of the law. The law was not written so that you become righteous. No, it's written so that you know when you have made the mistake. In other words, no one is justified by the law. Number five, Paul is saying, if you do decide to say that you want to get right with God by the by, by way of the law, you must remember that because of the law, all of us are under condemnation. We are all under a curse. Because if no one can keep the law, if everyone who have tried to keep the law have failed, then we are all condemned by under the law. Because none of us can do it. We all have a problem. We all have our own issue. And because we have an issue, none of us can do it. We are all under the curse of the law. Which is what the Bible is telling us book of Deuteronomy 27. In Deuteronomy 27 verse 26, the Bible says, Cause is the man who does not confirm all the words of the law by obeying them. So there is a curse upon humanity because we are not able to obey every facet of the law. And Paul is saying, if that is what you are depending upon to be right with God, my friend, you are in a very wrong, you are you started this journey on a, on, a, on a deficient level. It's a mission impossible because you can never obey every aspect of the law. You can't. And that's why I normally joke with people, if the government is out to get you, they will get you. You cannot stand justified in the presence of the Almighty God by saying, this is what I've done. I pay my tithe, I go to church, I pray, I make all this noise, I'm a nice person, I'm a nice guy. All those things will not stand there because by the time we start pulling all those things one by one, when we find that in the process of you being nice, you have done something else. The end does not justify the means in the book of the Almighty God. Everything has to be in order if you are following the law. But so Paul is basically saying, that the whole issue that we're talking about here is this. If you want to travel the path of justification by the law, you are on an impossible mission. It is never enough. How many good work will you do that will get you in? How many nice things will you say? How much money will you give away? You know, how much prayer do you pray that is enough? How many visitation of the poor will you do to be able to make enough? Okay, how many of the good work will you do that will make God be happy with you? And then you say, okay, yes, you can come in. That is why if you try to do it by the law, if you try to do it by going to church, you try to do it by being a nice guy, it will never be enough. And it's a frustrating experience when you try to be nice to God, when you try to win God's favor by the work of your hand. People who have done it have failed. And that's why religion does not work. That's why it doesn't work. Because you are trying to please God and God is saying that's not the way. He said the wages of sin is death. You have not paid the price of death yet. You are trying to please me. But that's a story for another day. So apart from now debunking the path by law, Paul now introduces the second path. The second path is the path is salvation by faith. 
Salvation by faith. After Paul established you that observing the law cannot get anyone right with God, Paul now too now shifted gear to an alternative argument, which says that the only way a man can get right with God is by way of faith. And he set up the argument using the same book, the same Habakkuk chapter 2, reading from verse number 4. He said, the just shall live by faith. Paul is arguing that he's arguing using Habakkuk as the basis. This is the Old Testament prophet that you people hold in high esteem. And I'm telling you, this is what the guy said. I didn't write it. This is what the guy said. He said, the just shall live by faith. He didn't say the just shall live by what? By their words. It is by faith. Okay, and the question now is within that particular word that the prophet the just shall live by faith. Will faith in what? You will notice that it is a faith in their work, or faith in a particular individual, or faith in a particular institution. It's a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is what you see Paul arguing from verse number 13 and verse number 14 of Galatians chapter 3. He said, Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. He has already established that we are all under the cause of the law because we are not able to fulfill the law, the requirements of the law. He's not saying Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, having become a cause for us. For it is written, causes everyone that hands upon a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In other words, Paul is saying, you are accepted by the Almighty God. You become and you know, you become pleasing unto him. You become properly aligned to the Almighty God when you come to him, when you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you have faith in him who was condemned for our sin, that we might stand upright, we might stand accepted, we might stand justified in the presence of the Almighty God. He said, the just might, the just will live by faith in Jesus Christ who fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law so that you and I will, and you, you know, through his sacrifice, so that you and I can begin to enjoy the benefits of his obedience. That's what he's saying. The just shall live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has fulfilled the requirement of the law. Bible say that Jesus Christ was a man like us, but he never sinned in any way. He was able to fulfill the requirement of the law without breaking any one of them. And they paid the price of sin on the cross of Calvary. And God is now saying, all I'm requiring from you, because it is impossible for you to fulfill the law, I am now saying, if you accept what this other gentleman has done for you as a substitute, then I will impute, you know, his righteousness unto you. That is basically what salvation is all about. God taking what somebody else has done and crediting it to your own account. God giving you the benefit of what somebody else has achieved and recording it for you. God taking away your own guilt and placing it upon another. That is what this whole thing is all about. And Paul is saying that that is the only way that you can be standing, you can be in right standing with the Almighty God. To be able to appropriate what Christ has done. And you can only do that by faith. You can only say, yes, Christ has done it. So if he said that he did it for me, I accept it. Faith in Jesus as the Lamb of God is the only way to be right with the Almighty God. It's the only way for remedy for sin, the penalty for sin, the penalty for breaking the law, to escape all that. The only way to escape it is when you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians enter into this redeemed state 
by their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by whatever they do, not by whatever they can they can conjure, not by any act of their own obedience, but through the faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Now the interesting part, why is this important? Why is this important? Galatians chapter 3, reading from verse 10 to 14, is important for us because number one, it helps us to understand the need for a meaningful apologetics in our churches today. The need for a meaningful apologetics. What does that mean? A need for a true defense of the faith that we believe in. Disagreement does not have to stifle conversation. The fact that somebody disagrees with you does not mean you don't have any more communication with that person. Disagreement should not kill meaningful dialogue. Disagreement should not destroy engagement. Paul the apostle had a disagreement with the Judaizers, but he was able to argue with them, was able to have a conversation with them, and he was able to marshal his own point to let them see, yes, you are having this particular, we are coming to this conclusion, but whatever authority that you are basing it on does not support the conclusion that you have. So Galatians 3, 10 to 14, re-emphasize for us the need for us to engage in meaningful apologetics. Have a conversation with the people. Let them defend their position. It helps you also to understand your own position better. Number two, it is important because your faith, you need to understand, you need to understand the compelling argument of your opponents. Paul the apostle understood what the Judaizers were saying. He understood where they were coming from. He understood their argument. He understood their scriptures. He understood their position. And he was able to, because he understood those positions, he was able to tell them where they were going wrong. He agreed with their tradition and their, and, their, and their teachings. He agreed that there's a need for sin. There was a common, there was a line of agreement there. There was a common ground on that place. But he knew their theology. He knew where they fell short. He knew where they missed the mark. And you and I cannot have a conversation with somebody else who are outside of our faith if you don't even understand what they're saying. If you don't even understand where they're coming from. You don't understand the basis of their reasoning. Why they are opposed to the gospel, why they do what they do. You have to understand where they are coming from for you to be able to minister to them. And that is why this verse of the scripture is important. Number one, it tells us the need for effective apologetics within the church of God. Number two, the need for a clear understanding of the faith of those who are outside of the church. Number three, it tells us that salvation is not a function of public opinion. We are not saved based on what the majority says. If it is based on what the majority says, the Jews would have won the argument. But Paul was standing alone. And the Bible makes us to understand in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It says, neither is there salvation in any, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we will say, it's not a question of opinion. It's not a question of your tradition. It's not a question of what other people have said in the Bible. It's a question of what God has said. And God has said that salvation comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So our salvation is not a question, it's not a question of public opinion. Whether it's popular or popular, that's not the issue. Number three, why is it important? Number four, why is it important? It is important because salvation is not a function of good works or church membership. Because if that is what you are basing your relationship with God on, you are going to be frustrated. It is good to do a good work. Don't misunderstand me, please. It is good to give. It is good to help. It is good to do charity. It is good to be philanthropic. It is good to do all those good things. But if the basis of your relationship with God is based on what you are doing, then you are in a very shaky ground. On a very shaky ground. This assurance of salvation comes by faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what has been. That is what it's always going to be. So our salvation is not a function of good work or church membership. 
And then number five, why is it important? It is important because Christianity is not a thoughtless faith. The fact that you are a Christian doesn't mean that you check out your brain. So we must understand our faith is not thoughtless. Paul the Apostle, through this particular book, has been going line by line, employing laws of logic, employing the laws of rhetoric to be able to edge, to be able to marshal his point and supporting his position to let you understand that the faith that we're talking about is a rational faith. It's a faith that you can see. It's logic all through the pages of scripture. You may not like it. You may disagree with the conclusion. You may not like the requirement of our faith upon your life, but it is not a thoughtless faith. It's an empirical faith. All the calculation and all the analysis and the shredding that have been done on the Christian faith, apply that same technique, those same rigor, apply it to any other religion and they will fall flat even before you start. But the Christian faith has endured this relentless analysis from skeptic and it has remained standing. And it is still a strong tower for those who are oppressed, even in these days of uh, COVID-19. So the point you are making is that our faith is not a thoughtless faith. It's not just something that somebody came together and put together because they don't have anything better to do. It's a faith that turns the lives of people around. And the Bible says that those who are in Christ are new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. This is evident in the lives of millions of people across the world today. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.